You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. From across the stars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and the Ragtag Crew are here to bring you stories of adventure and excitement from a galaxy far, far away. Get ready for tales of merciless bounty hunters, courageous heroes, and sinister villains from the core worlds to the outer rim and beyond. to Faster, More Intense FMI, a Star Wars podcast that covers everything in the Star Wars universe. And today, we're covering episode five of The Mandalorian, entitled The Gunslinger. If you happen to be new to the show, I'm one of your hosts, Matt, and let me welcome in my label mate from the Thundercrack Podcast Network. He's the host over at Star Wars, The Saga Continues. It's Paul. It's uh, Kyle. I almost said Paul. Kyle, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, how's it going, Matt? Um, yeah, it's good to be back talking another episode of The Mandalorian. We had Paul, who's one of my co-hosts on The Saga yeah. Continues. He was on with the two of us a couple episodes ago, but uh, just you and me for this one. But uh, yeah, it should be fun. I love talking yeah. about this show. Oh, I know. It's, it's a great time. And before we do that, we're getting to, we'll get into the, uh, the show here in a second. We always like to talk a little bit about the news, what's going on in the last week or so in Star Wars news. And like I said, uh, you know, it's been uh, a lot of... A lot of the Rise of Skywalker, obviously, we're less than two weeks away, and uh, they're really pushing this thing out, a lot of TV spots, and I know we were talking earlier, you're starting to, uh, I don't know, maybe avoid some of these TV spots, Kyle? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, like, when they first started pushing them out, you know, we had the the big last trailer, obviously, and then uh, they started putting out a couple TV spots, and it was like, oh, new footage, I gotta check this out and see what's in it. Um, and now they've put out so many of them that it's like, okay, by this point, I'm excited enough for the movie. Like, I don't need to see any more new stuff. Um, right. And I know some people that are avoiding it like the plague and don't want to see anything. I mean, I have I keep saying I'm not going to watch anymore, and then I'll see a new one on my timeline on Twitter, and, you know, I'll kind of just sit there and let it play. But, um, yeah, I'm not actively seeking them out, and I'm not really paying too much attention to them. That's the thing. Like, if I do see a new one on Twitter or something, I don't go and, like, try to find the the full high-quality version on YouTube and, like, watch it with the sound on and then analyze it and see what all new stuff is in it. It's just, like, I just kind of give it a quick glance, and then I'm like, okay, cool. We're, the big thing for me is just the fact that we're less than two weeks away. Um, yeah. that gets me more excited than any, you know, two seconds of new footage in a TV spot. Just the fact that we're so close to this movie, I just, you know, it's going to be here before you know it. Yeah. And, you know, if you're into these TV spots and learning more, I mean, it's not going to end too, because apparently, um, talk about the Mandalorian, I guess, I don't know if you heard this, uh, episode, I believe, I don't know if it's next episode or the week, oh, no, it's the week, Wednesday before I guess it'd be the 18th. Um, we're going to get the Mandalorian on that Wednesday, and apparently they're going to show a little bit of Rise of Skywalker footage. Did you, did you hear that? I did hear about that. Yeah, there's going to be a little special sneak peek attached to the episode, which I mean makes sense because um, 
you know, normally the Mandalorian airs on Friday, but that week they're putting it out two days early to put it out before the rise of Skywalker. Um, and it makes sense <clears throat> that they would put a little teaser in there to try to give it one last marketing push. Obviously, people like us, we don't need that. Like, they're there to <laughs> remind the casual fans, you know, maybe people that subscribe to Disney Plus and aren't big Star Wars fans but checked out The Mandalorian and liked it. You know, a little reminder for those guys like, hey, if you like this Star Wars, there's more Star Wars coming out in the theater in a couple days. But we're obviously well aware of that. So, um, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. sure I'll probably watch that anyways like i'm gonna watch the episode obviously and if the teaser's just at the end or the beginning or whatever i'm not gonna like turn it off but um i don't know yeah, hopefully, no, hopefully there's watch. some some cool little stuff to to maybe get us even more excited going into it <laughs> but i really hope or they that. don't give away too much with that yeah and, and what's funny is like i don't um you know if it's a disney or you know lucasfilm disney whatever if they're putting the material out it's not going to be a uh, spoiler, you know, they're not going to put anything crazy in there. So I tend to watch most of that stuff. Um, did you also see, I guess if you're a Fortnite player, there's some kind of Fortnite thing and they're premiering another scene. They don't say how long it is. Um, but they do say they're going to, I guess, what date was that? Uh, I guess, I don't know, maybe it's next week. I don't know. Did you hear about that? No, I haven't heard about that. I mean, the only Fortnite thing I've heard about is I think when Jedi Fallen Order came out, uh, they did a some kind of promotion with Fortnite where you could get a free Stormtrooper skin or something like that. But yeah, no, I haven't yeah. I haven't heard anything about a Rise of Skywalker thing. Yeah, I said something about an early scene is premiering inside of Fortnite at an in-game drive-in theater. What? Posters went up. Yeah, posters went up this morning for the event, which is happening. Oh, next Saturday. Here we go. Next Saturdays. And where the heck is this? Jeez, um, so, marketing in 2019 is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's I guess Fortnite is worked with john wick before and ralph breaks the internet batman yeah. and a couple other things well that's so. true I, I i've briefly played fortnite and it was back around the time that infinity war came out and there was like a special game mode where you could play as thanos so oh, okay. it's, it's not their first movie tie-in but i'm surprised that they're actually showing like a, a movie teaser or clip or something like in the game i mean that's pretty cool but it's just that's wild yeah yeah exactly um so yeah the the media push is is in full swing and you know, we're, talk, we're going to talk about the Mandalorian here in a second, and obviously it's a Disney Plus series. Um, and did you see the? I guess there was, you know, John Boyega and Daisy and Poe, po, uh, Oscar Isaac have been doing these interviews, and wow, they do not want to do di uh, TV. Did you notice that? <laughs> you know, the only one I saw was uh, Oscar Isaac when somebody asked him, you know, if he'd be interested in doing like a Poe spinoff series, and he said no. Um, yeah. I didn't hear, I mean, I'm sure people have asked Daisy and John the same thing. I've been watching some of those interviews and, and press things, but there's so much of it now. Like I can't keep up with all of it. Yeah. It was, it was just a interesting thing where, you know, it's, it, they asked him about that. Cause you know, this thing, the Mandalorian has been so popular and it's obviously a, a good question to ask, you know, like, Hey, would you ever be interested in doing this kind of thing? And they, they were just adamant about almost like they were almost insulted about being asked about doing TV, which is, I thought was kind of, okay, you know, if you don't want to do TV, I get it. You know, they're big stars now. So um, I just thought that was kind of an interesting story that came out about uh, about TV. But, uh, yeah, I don't know that much else going on. Oh, wait, no, you wanted to talk about uh, uh, Battlefront 2 uh, and the uh, what's going on with that. Go ahead, Kyle. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to bring this up real quick because I'm a huge Battlefront fan and a big, you know, Star Wars gamer. 
Um, and uh, just a few days ago, they announced that they're sort of re-releasing and repackaging Star Wars Battlefront 2 as the Celebration Edition. Um, mm. And it's got this cool new cover art that's got uh, basically like all the trooper helmets from all the eras going from like the phase one clone trooper to the phase two and the clone commando all the way to like the the imperial stormtroopers and the scout troopers and the death troopers and then front and center they've got uh the sith trooper from the rise of skywalker and this announcement kind of came hand in hand with the announcement that uh there's a lot of new content from the rise of skywalker that's coming to the game later this month um but also they're putting out this celebration edition um it's basically a way for them to kind of re i guess relaunch and re sort of push the game out there but also make some more money from it uh, but the nice thing about this is it includes all of the content that they've released over the last two years and then also includes all of the cosmetic items so there's a lot of like different outfits for the heroes and the troopers and different you know clone trooper armor skins and all that kind of stuff uh, that normally you either have to like save up credits in the game to buy or mm. you can buy with real money um, and by the way, for anybody that still is under the impression that this game was ruined by like microtransactions and loot boxes and stuff, that stuff is long gone. They, I mean, that did kind of tank the game when it first came out, but they got rid of that stuff. They reworked it. It's a much better game now. Um, and if you haven't checked it out yet, um, or even if you played it when it first came out and didn't like it, I strongly suggest giving it another shot because uh, this game's a whole lot of fun and they have put a whole lot of work into it to really. Um, making it what I think the fans deserve and what it should have been when it came out. And it's a shame, it's a shame that this isn't the game that we got when it launched and that, you know, it went through so much negativity at first, but I think it's in a really good place now. Um, That's good. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, and I, I was just going to say, by putting this, this new version out, I mean, obviously it's a way for them to get more revenue, which then hopefully they can use to keep continuing to support the game further because they're still adding new updates and i mean this past year they've added a lot of new clone wars content and then of course we're getting the rise of skywalker stuff and then going into next year they're going to be uh doing some more content updates and stuff focused on the sequel trilogy and they've announced like um or, or kind of talked about the fact that at least for right now there really aren't plans to do a battlefront 3 like battlefront 2 has been popular enough and it, it's got everything in there like it's got all the eras it's got really good graphics so it's like they don't really need to do a whole new game to add new content to it they can just keep doing these updates um and so this is just a way for them to get more revenue and to keep the game supported um which i think is really cool and it's a good way for them to make money that's not you know penny pinching people with loot boxes and all that kind of stuff that people hate so uh right. this is available now for uh if you ha if you don't have battlefront 2 you can get this for 40 dollars. and again it's the basic game along with all the new content updates that have come out over the past couple of years and every cosmetic item in the game that you can otherwise you know just unlock in the game you'll get that right from the start so it's $40 to buy it from the from scratch, or if you already have the game, you can pay $25 to upgrade to this version, um, okay. which I think is a, a reasonable price. You know, it's, um, I, uh, to be honest, I'm not sure if I'm going to get the $25 upgrade just because I have a lot of the items and stuff in there already, but I like that they're giving people this option. Um, and it's just cool to yeah. see the game still being supported because I really like it, and I, I hope they keep supporting it for a long time. Yeah, I, I listen to you guys on the Saga Continues, and, and you do some updates on this game. You guys, are, obviously, you guys are still playing this thing. I played it. Obviously, I played through the um, you know the story campaign, which is pretty awesome. Had a great time playing that. Um, tried my hand at some of the you know online stuff, but um, I'm just I don't game, so it, it's just I'm just getting murked the whole time. It's just, <laughs> uh, my 
it's funny my kids like to watch me because I get so frustrated and I'm throwing controllers and, you know <laughs> you you know I, I last like two or three seconds in some of these multiplayer games and it's crazy but I still had a great time playing the uh, the story mode and, and you're right it is really cool to see uh, dice or EA um you know continually updating and, and doing this kind of stuff and 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 from what and I haven't played it in a long time um, but, but from your you know account it's it's still a great game and and this stuff should be uh this extra stuff should be really fun to do so yeah and i'm playing the fallen order right now i'm, I'm on dathomir um having a great time with that i didn't realize i just totally forgot that it's not it you know it's not an online uh game it's just a straight story mode game so i'm kind of taking my time with it i haven't played it in a week i just started playing it again today but i'm having a great time with that game as well so the last two Star Wars games, man. I mean, I know, like you said, Kyle, the Battlefront Two had a kind of rough, you know, uh, start, but it sounds like it came around. How, how would you would you rate like? It's probably too hard to pick like a favorite of these two because one's like a has the multiplayer aspect and one's the story mode. Do you have a Do you have a favorite one right now, or can you? Say? Oh, yeah, it's so hard to tell. Um, and I've put so many more hours into Battlefront just because it's been out longer and and I love just playing those multiplayer battles and I've played a lot with Tim and Paul and even, you know, my dad gets on there and I've got some other friends on Xbox. So um, I don't know. It's it's hard to compare because it really is two kind of different experiences. I will say if you compare the two games at launch, Fallen Order is a lot better. Um, and it was mm -hmm. really good to see a Star Wars game launch with no big issues or controversy and get pretty much uh critical acclaim across the board and get really positive reviews um just as someone who's a big fan of star wars games and has watched like the stuff that the battlefront games have gone through and stuff like that was just really encouraging to see um and i love the game obviously but um you know it, it's cool when uh a lot of other people are loving it as well but like i said battlefront has come a long way since then and i really appreciate the work that they've put into um to improve it and to get it to where it is now so now, i don't know it's it's hard to compare the two and like you said they're so different like the multiplayer versus the single player experience i can tell you this though i would put both of these games right now in my top two star wars games oh sorry not my top wow, two yeah. no not my no. top two my top five um yeah uh, <laughs> uh, if i were to rank like my top five star wars games of all time i would put these two in it nice yeah now i'm like i said i'm having a great time um, and I can't wait to finish up Fall in Order to see those because I, I, I try to stay from all, away from all the, uh, you know, stuff online and and kind of spoilers. So I'm trying to get this thing done, but uh, hopefully today I'll get try to get close to finishing this thing up. Um, any other oh. anything else? Yeah, go ahead. Well, the uh, one other thing I was going to mention about Fall in Order, and I'll just kind of put this out as a PSA for you and for anybody who is playing the game and hasn't finished it yet. Um, and Matt, hopefully you didn't see this already, but there was a TV, uh, a TV commercial that they put out for the game. Um, and I think it aired during, it aired on Thanksgiving during one of the football games. I actually remember seeing it on TV and was thinking, oh, that's cool. Like I had already beaten the game at that point, but was thinking, oh, it's cool that, you know, to see it on TV during a football game and stuff. Um, but there's a big spoiler in that trailer. Um, so for anybody oh. that hasn't seen it yet, if you see any TV ads for Fallen Order come on, you know change the channel or uh 
you know, just be aware that that's out there. I maybe they've taken it down by now or, or changed it because I've seen a lot of negative reaction to that online. I mean, I've even seen like some Star Wars YouTubers that I follow and stuff post online saying like, oh, you know, I managed to stay away from Fallen Order spoilers on YouTube and in my comment sections and on social media and what spoiled the game for me, a TV spot, you know, during a football game. So um, there's been kind of some negative attention around it. So hopefully they change that or maybe they can re-edit it and put a different one out. But um, yeah, just, just be aware of that because um, there's some really cool surprises toward the end of the game. And I would hate for that to get spoiled for anybody. Yeah, I don't I don't think I remember what you're talking about because nothing's coming to yeah, I was watching. I was around watching football so i don't I, but i don't remember seeing anything so that's actually good that i didn't see it but that's kind of crazy they put it well i guess the game's been out for a while so maybe they just figured out oh, a couple of weeks it's we could start promoting a little more and, but i have not seen that so that's good um anything else in the news that kind of has been caught your attention or no not that i can think of not really like you yeah. said we're just full steam ahead towards uh rise of skywalker so yeah, definitely, definitely. A couple more weeks to go. A little, actually, a little less, a couple weeks. Um, but other than that, let's uh, let's jump into what we came here for. Kyle, we're going to talk about The Gunslinger, uh, directed by, by Dave Filoni. And for some reason, I thought he he actually wrote this, but we were just talking about it a second ago. It's like, um, you know, it's Dave Filoni and uh, John Favreau that kind of do the whole story I, for some reason i got my head in like he was the only one that wrote this thing but that can't be true um but overall kyle overall in this episode um i didn't think it was my favorite i would probably put it kind of if i'm putting these in order of how i liked them i'd probably put this at the bottom um and like i told mike a couple days ago it's like picking out your favorite ice cream or something or your favorite candy bars. Like, they're all great. You know, they're all good. It's just which one is my favorite. And I kind of put this one at the bottom. There's a couple things that kind of I had issues with um, in this particular episode. But overall, it's, you know, still, still a, a really good episode. Um, overall thoughts, Kyle? Um, I like this one a lot. Um, so okay. I think this will be interesting to get into it and see kind of where our, yeah. our thoughts differ on this. I mean, I watched it for the first time and – I mean, I will say early on in the episode, there were a couple things that I maybe didn't love or thought could have been better. But by the end of the episode, um, I thought there were some great story points, some cool twists. Um, I liked what they did with it. And uh, then I got online and saw some reviews and some comments and stuff and was like, huh, did I just watch the same episode everybody else did? So I know this yeah. one's been a little bit divisive, but I really liked it. Yeah, it has. And, and that's the first thing, like, I don't watch this until Friday night because I'm working. You know, I, I get up super early and I'm at work, and so I don't get to see it until I get home. And then my kids want to watch it with me and everything. And and but I always get on Twitter and just like, oh, what do people are saying about it? You know, and you're right. It was like some people were like, man, this was not very good, and then some people loved it. So you never know. Like, how can you tell? Like, trying to go on social media and get a get a gauge on something. It's just like you said, half and it was almost kind of one of these not necessarily half and half, but there was a lot more chatter about people having issues with this particular episode. So we'll get into that. Um, Kyle, so we start off, uh, you know, the Mandalorian uh, and Baby Yoda have left uh, Sorgon. And we get right into this this dogfight uh, at the beginning of this episode. Uh, this, the Mandalorian, he's got, you know, bounty hunters after him. And we get our first, like, this episode had a lot of, obviously, callbacks and to, to the OT and, and to other stuff as well. 
uh, even the, this bounty hunter says, I'm going to bring you in warm or bring you in cold. So this is exactly what the Mandalorian had said earlier on in, in the first episode. And he even says, that's that's my line, as he blasts him mm-hmm. uh, from behind. And he brings, he brings out this Top Gun move where he's getting chased and, you know, he can't get out of this bounty hunter's uh, sights. And he pulls, you know, he hits the brakes and he flies on by and he, and he blasts him from behind. So I get this kind of Top Gun type vibe from that particular uh, shot and I also got out of this that the Razor Crest is not necessarily like this is not the Slave One you know what I mean this thing is you know he had to put this thing together after the jaw was torn apart so this thing is not the greatest uh, you know starfighter in the galaxy as I say but what do you what do you what are your thoughts on this uh, opening scene Kyle oh I loved it um, mm-hmm. just a classic yeah. like I mean like you said it's just a cool Star Wars chase sequence but felt also like something out of just a classic action movie or something like that with like the cheesy one-liners being flung around and all <laughs> that kind of stuff um, and even when he blows up the guy at the end and he's just like no as his ship goes down in flames it was you know kind of corny but like in a good way and just you know it was really fun to watch um so yeah it was fun i mean this is one of those things that we had seen in the trailers you know just brief little shots of this this dog fight here um but it was cool to see the full thing played out on screen and i love that you know that little quip where he says uh yeah i can bring you in warmer i can bring you in cold and the mando slams on the brakes and pulls his ship behind and then gets this guy in his crosshairs and blasts him and goes that's my line um that was just it was a really fun way to open the episode and then also you mentioned uh with his ship just getting shot up and how we've already had to see it uh you know he's got it had to get it repaired and he's had the jawas tear it apart and stuff like that and then i mean you can kind of say the same thing for the mandalorian himself i mean we've seen him get dragged through the mud already like these i mean literally in one episode but um you know we've seen him get shot and beat up and uh have his armor damaged and his ship damaged and um it's kind of cool to see because it's it's different from what we're used to seeing in star wars where our protagonists are jedi right and they get mm-hmm. themselves into a sticky situation where they're overwhelmed or they're up against big odds or whatever but then um i mean i guess occasionally somebody does lose a hand but like when they get out of those situations you, you know sometimes they get out without a scratch and they um just use the force or use their skills or whatever and the mandalorian you really see like he's human i mean at least we assume he's human we haven't seen under his mask but figuratively speaking like he's not invulnerable he doesn't have the force he's not a jedi um and he goes up against these tough enemies and he gets shot and beat up and you know we've seen his armor get messed up and his ship get messed up and um he really needs like all these things that he's got to survive he needs all his skills and all his weapons and uh he needs his armor to actually protect him which i've said before i like seeing an armored character in star wars whose armor actually protects him against (laughs) stuff not only that it works but that he needs it to work like if he didn't have that beskar he would be dead especially in this episode so um Yeah. yeah it's it's kind of i don't want to say cool because i don't want to sound like oh i love seeing him get the crap beat out of him but um you know it's just uh, an interesting new take on star wars really to see our protagonist get this you know knocked down so much and uh still overcoming yeah. the odds yeah and it's and it's interesting how like the very first couple episodes i mean he was he was full on and it didn't seem like he took a a ton of you know he had a shot here or there but it seemed like he was he was on point, and then these last couple episodes, you're starting to see the, like, okay, he's not like ultra, you know, Superman type ish. I mean, he's getting hit, like you said, he's getting shot. Uh, his his ship is not the greatest, so 
definitely vulnerable. And I don't know if that's, you know, being a, we still ne don't necessarily know what the foundling thing is. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, I'm sure we'll get a lot of backstory about where he's coming from. And, and, you know, like I said, it's, he's not like the ultra powerful guy. He's, he's showing the, a little bit of weakness there. So we get to, um, he finishes the fight and look where we end up, Kyle, another, right again, a, a, another callback. We finally get like a familiar planet and in this sequel type era, right? I mean, we're coming to most obviously he docks in bay number thirty-five on Tatooine. I mean, what'd you think of that, Kyle? I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I again I've seen some people complaining, being like, Oh, why are we back on Tatooine for no reason? Like they should have gone to a new planet. Um for me. We've seen so many desert planets by now that, you know, in teaser trailers, when we got our first look at the movie, we thought it was Tatooine. And then, oh, no, it's Jakku or it's Jeddah or it's Pasana or whatever. It's like, OK, finally, you know, we're, we get to come back to Tatooine. And after yeah. we've gotten so many new planets in this new era, to me, it's not like, oh, this is stupid. Why are they back on Tatooine? Like, I thought it was cool to, to revisit a familiar location. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, I mean, sure, it could have taken place on a different planet, but the fact that it was back here, like, didn't bother me. Like, I know it's a big galaxy and there's lots of other planets out there, but it's cool to get to see a familiar location. Um, yeah. And, I mean, we know the Mandalorian is traveling around the Outer Rim and stuff like that, and he's been to several other planets, so it's not like the entire series is taking place here. So for one episode, for him to make a side stop here on Tatooine, I thought it was cool. Yeah, I did too. I mean, I, was, I love the callbacks and just everything about, you know, the ship coming in just reminded me of the Falcon coming in and, and most obviously in, in Star Wars. So, yeah, I just I, I love that stuff. I love that kind of if you want to quote unquote call fan service. So, you know what I mean? It's, I, I love that stuff. So uh, he lands. Um, a lot of people were here's another complaint that I saw a couple of people talk about is like. He leaves Baby Yoda. I'm going to call him Baby Yoda because we don't know anything of his, you know, we have to call him yet. So oh, of course. Uh, he leaves Baby Yoda on the ship and a lot of people were kind of calling him out. I'm like, why, you know, this is the asset. Um, you're trying to protect this thing. It seems like you're leaving this thing all the time. I, you know, he locked him, like, he kind of locked him away. So I was like, all right, it's fine. He kind of just locked him away. He didn't think, you know, he should know by now that Baby Yoda's really cantankerous. He's going to get out of, mm -hmm. if he doesn't want to be somewhere, he's going to get out. So, um, but we meet Amos Sedaris' character. She's kind of this mechanic. Um, she has another, geez, another callback to the prequels with the pit droids. Which um, I loved. Where, yeah. I yeah, was okay. I was not expecting yeah. that at all, and when I saw because I mean you land on Moss Eisley, I figured we were going to get some callbacks and see some familiar stuff, but I thought it was mostly going to be callbacks to A New Hope and to the original trilogy. And yeah. as soon as as soon as he steps off the ship, the first thing you see is pit droids, and I just <laughs> thought that was really cool. I did not expect those to be there. Yeah, I thought I thought it was cool too, and he shoots out. You know, he doesn't like droids. Um, but yeah, in this episode, I thought it was really cool to see. You know, I love you're pulling things in from the OT and from the prequel trilogy. It's really cool to see that. So I, I, I really love that. Mm -hmm. uh, Amy Sedaris, like I said, she played this, this uh, mechanic, and this is where it kind of it pulled me out just a little bit. Um, it, it almost felt a little, I don't know, sitcomish uh, when she came out and kind of did her thing, and I, I don't know is. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying it, just a little bit. It was like, oh, okay, you can. It's weird. It's like some points you can tell, like at the beginning, like, oh man, this is cinematic, and you can see the money, and then some parts of it look TV-ish to me. Um, and I don't know if I'm just being super picky, uh, just because I love, you know, the show has been great so far, and and maybe I'm just being a little 
too picky about certain things. I, that could be my fault too. So uh, just a little bit kind of pulled me out with with her character. And but I don't know. I, what do you think about the scene, Kyle, with bringing her in and she's the mechanic and and kind of does she kind of holds baby yoda and 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 her 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 ways it did bother you at all i mean well okay so this is one thing i'll agree with you on that did pull me out a little bit um and i've heard some people say like oh they recognize amy sedaris and they've seen her in other things and they're familiar with her work and so it was kind of hard to see her anything as just like a recognizable face and it was hard to to see her as like a star wars character blending into the universe and um she kind of stood out just because she was recognizable for me i'm not really familiar with her so it wasn't like a recognizable face kind of thing to me but i will say one complaint that i've had with the show so far and it, it's kind of hard to put a finger on but in almost every episode there have been some like side performances from just minor characters that pulled me out of it for whatever reason and just felt like i don't even know if it's bad acting necessarily but just they feel like too, like too much like normal people like from our world yeah. that just don't feel they don't feel like star wars characters in episode yeah. one it was the blue fish guy that he captures yeah. as his first bounty that guy annoyed the crap out of me yeah um and then in the last episode it was the two guys that come to ask him for help when his ship is like in the swamp and they're like oh now we gotta go all the way back to our village that's in the middle of nowhere and it's gonna take us a whole day to get there and <laughs> like i again for whatever reason those guys just they didn't feel like star wars characters to me it felt like they just plucked a couple of guys off the street and put them in star wars yeah um and then this character kind of had the same feel to me where she's you know just kind of chiding him about like oh how would you leave the baby in the ship and blah blah, blah. like i don't know she, it, for whatever reason and again it's hard to put a finger on why and I, you know i don't know if it's the writing or the performance or the direction or whatever but it just didn't gel with like feeling like a, a believable star wars character to me at least at first i will say by the end of the episode i did like her character a little bit more but she kind of stuck out like a sore thumb to me in this first scene yeah and, and you know what you said it it didn't i i was trying to think of why what is it that and you're right the fish guy in the first episode now that i think about it it it, it just didn't feel like a lot of people were saying that it was i think it they brought up like Star Trek or something like that. Oh, to um, me, he, to me, he felt like a Guardians of the Galaxy or, or like go. Captain Marvel yeah. or something. He totally felt like a Marvel comic relief character. Yeah, and I think that is is a good a good reading on it. Didn't feel Star Wars because she kind of just I don't for whatever reason just didn't feel Star Wars enough for me. You're right, that blue guy in the very first episode, a little bit the same way. Um, you mentioned the guys in Episode Three. And even we'll get to it here in a second, but even Toro Calican, um, I don't know, you know, we'll talk about it in a second when we get there. But yeah, that's totally, I think that's what I was trying to say was it just didn't feel Star Wars to me. That's why it kind of pulled me out just a little bit. So um, did you notice the uh, the pit droids? I didn't notice this the first time, but somebody pointed out, and I did see it the second time, the pit droids cheating at Sabacc as they were handing cards back and forth. Did you notice that? No, I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, when they're, when they're, she's playing with the, the pit droids. You see them uh, hand cards over to one another. It's kind of funny, a little little uh, Easter egg there. Um, so here's another thing, too. Um, you know, we get uh, – she's going to be watching Baby Yoda while the Mandalorian kind of goes off. 
Did you hear the crate dragon noise that he makes when he walks out of the ship? Yeah, and I couldn't quite tell what that was because it didn't, to me, it didn't sound like the crate dragon noise. Like, it didn't sound like the same noise that Obi-Wan made in A New Hope, but it sounded reminiscent of that. Like, yes. and I need to go back and listen to it again because it was some kind of familiar sound um, mm. that I couldn't quite put my finger on. But yeah, it sounded weird. Like, I'm like, was that supposed to just be the sound of Baby Yoda, like, escaping from his cargo hold? Or was he using the Force to mimic some kind of noise the same way that Obi-Wan did? Like, I thought that was just Obi-Wan making weird noises with his mouth. I never thought of that as, like, a Force power or anything. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, or maybe Baby Yoda, he can't say his first words yet, but he can howl like a freaking crate dragon. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's a yeah. weird galaxy. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That, that was that was interesting. I want to go back to go back and listen to that again because, like I said, it reminded me of something, and I can't quite figure what. But I mean, it was kind of weird. But it, I don't know. It, it didn't really like bother me or pull me out of it or anything. No, I I actually kind of liked it because you know, like you said, I, I had to go back and I rewound it a couple times just because I wanted to hear the what was going on. And and when you listen to it again, I. I'll be interested to see what you think because I really do. There's there's that crate dragon ish sound to it, and it, there's no. I have no idea why he would be doing that, but I when you listen to it, you can really hear some of the and not the old school original crate dragon. I'm talking about the new one that they did redid with the Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. um, there's just a couple of tones or whatever. I don't know. You know, I'm not a music guy, but that that really make me think that it's the crate dragon noise. I'd be interested to see, even if you guys are listening, let us know on FMI, um, you know, if, we, if that's what you think it was, the crate dragon. So, um, so uh, we cut to my, uh, Kyle, the Mandalorian. He walks to the cantina. And again, here we are. You know, we're going to be on Tatooine. Obviously, we're going to go to the cantina. Um, obviously, it's, again, another fan service thing that I love. I love seeing this. I love seeing the cantina. And we got an EU droid that's the bartender. Uh, Kyle, what do you think of that? I thought that was pretty cool. Well, actually, you know what? The the first thought that popped into my mind is I thought it was ironic because I was like, you can tell that the place has changed because when Luke walked in there with R2 and 3PO, the first thing the bartender said was, we don't serve droids here. And now there's yeah. a droid in there serving everybody. <laughs> so it kind of shows you that the times have changed. Yeah, I know it's really, and, and they kind of pan and show a couple of aliens, and uh, you get that one like I don't know, what was it like a cricket type thing? And yeah, it looked uh, like some kind of bug, yeah, some kind of bug, and and a couple other things. So, um, and it's just different, you know. Like, and then and then we get introduced to Toro Calican. He's again, they pan over, and he's sitting like you're almost like, is that the exact same seat that Han Solo was sitting in when he faced off with Greedo? Mm -hmm. And here's, you know what I mean? It's like just all that. It's like, oh, cool. Um, Toro Calican. Here again, my, or, uh, Kyle. Um, another character that, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Like you were talking about the acting and um, I, for this, for some reason, again, it's one of those things where I don't know if it just felt Star Wars enough for me. I don't know if that, the performance kind of pulled me out a little bit. And again, like he kind of grew on me a little bit, but at the beginning, it's just like, I don't know about this dude. I don't, you know, it just didn't land the greatest for me. But uh, as far as story-wise, though, um, he's just new. I guess he's kind of new. He wants to get into the Bounty Hunters Guild, right? And he's mm -hmm. got this $10,000 credit to come up with this Fennec Shand. Um, and we get some kind of backstory of who she is, and she killed. She was uh, basically she was killing for the huts, is what they say in the episode, and they kind of break down her 
um, kind of backstory slightly there. Um, what are your thoughts on Toro Calcan and, and this scene? So, I mean, again, I, I wasn't... I, I didn't quite know what to make of him at first. Um, I thought overall as a character, like the performance maybe could have been a little better. And I know some people, you know, really didn't like his character or feel like he kind of pulled him out or whatever. Um, but overall, I liked his character more. Um, and I thought, you know, again, you know, they were going for kind of the Han Solo type vibe, like the cocky young guy or whatever. And it's almost he's like a low budget version of Han Solo, essentially. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think it works like that's what they're going for. And he's, you know, because, again, he's he's cocky and he's young and he's arrogant and really has no idea what he's doing, except that they even they show you in this very first scene that he does have a little bit of an idea what he's doing. Like he's getting in way over his head. He's going after this bounty who's this elite you know sniper assassin that the mandalorian tells him uh hey if you go after her by yourself like you're not gonna last the night so obviously you haven't been in this very long or else you would know that because everybody knows who this person is and that's how he kind of finds out that's when he admits like oh yeah okay hey this is my first job i'm just trying to get into the bounty hunters guild um but then when the mandalorian finally agrees to team up with him when he says hey you can take all the money i just want this for the reputation and to be able to get in and the mandalorian needs the money to be able to fix his ship and get out of there um when so he says okay you know we'll meet up uh in this hangar bring a couple mm -hmm. of speeder bikes and we're gonna go out after also give me the tracking fob and toro kind of looks at him and he smashes it against the wall and says i've got all the information in my head yeah. Um, and so you can see already there, like he's, and I picked up on this watching it the second time. It's like, oh, so he, even though they're making him seem kind of like a, a complete newbie who doesn't know what he's doing, he's a little bit smarter than he lets on. Um, yeah. yeah. He, he doesn't really know what he's doing in terms of just bounty hunting in general, but at the very least, he knows how to look after himself and not let people take advantage of him, um, which kind of comes for, comes full circle later in the episode. Yeah, and, and you're right. I think he does he does come off like he's trying to be the newbie. But you're right. Even in the, towards the end, you kind of see, oh, he's a little smarter than he's than he's letting on. Um, but yeah, and here's the thing too about the tracking fobs. I don't. I'm trying to figure. I was trying to figure out, out uh, yesterday as we were watching this, like how how do these tracking fobs work? Has they has it been explained in this in this uh, series yet? Not really. And honestly, that's one of the elements of the series that I think is kind of a little goofy, but I just kind of roll with it. Like, it doesn't yeah. bother me too much. So I just kind of, you know, it's suspension of disbelief kind of thing that, okay, if you're a bounty hunter, every time you pick up a target, they give you a GPS that points you right to that target. It's like, doesn't that kind of take away the whole point of being a good hunter and being able to track down yeah. the person that you're looking for if you have something that points you right to them? Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, it's it's a plot device that they've put in there just to, um, I don't know, have everybody going after all these bounties and stuff. So, um, yeah, 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 we were trying to figure it out. Like, you know, is it, you know, is there some kind of uh, DNA type thing that's connected to the fob and it, it knows where you're it, that that would make sense. I mean, it's got to be some kind of GPS thing. Um, and and how, so we were just trying to figure it out yesterday. Like, how do they how do these fobs know where people are and. I just didn't know if I missed something in in the episodes previously that were, you know, I was behind behind the eight ball here. But I guess uh, apparently I haven't missed anything. We just haven't really got a solid 
uh, explanation of how these things work. So yeah, um, they haven't gone into it in too much detail. Okay. And honestly, I don't know that they will. Yeah. Because again, I think it's kind of one of those things that you're kind of just supposed to suspend your disbelief and kind of just accept that this is the way it works. Yeah. Um, okay. Rather than them get into you know, well, you see the Galactic Empire wiretapped everybody's phones, and now these fobs have everybody's positional data or whatever. So, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, uh, so we get back to, like you said, Kyle. We're back. We went to back to Hangar Thirty Five. Uh, Toro arrives with, with the with the two speeder bikes, um, and then he starts speeding by or speeding through the deserts of Tatooine. I thought that looked actually pretty good. And there's a couple scenes where, uh, you know, you obviously can tell it's a lot of you know, CG type stuff, but I still thought it was pretty good. It looked, it looked cool, especially the far off scenes and everything like that. Um, and then we get to them stopping and obviously another great callback to the Banthas through the binoculars. And then all of a sudden he says, you know, they're talking about the Tuscan Raiders and we get that callback where he's like, you're looking through the binoculars and all of a sudden, boom, they're standing right there, you know, just like in a new hope when Luke's looking through and then all of a sudden he gets up and there's one right there. Kind of this, this is the way these, these Tuscans work. It's almost like, um, these pack, the, the pack that, you know, you, you have a misdirection over here and then they come up around you without you even knowing. I thought that was really cool. What'd you think? Huh? Yeah. You know, what's funny is this actually reminded me more of Knights of the Old Republic oh, okay. um, because yeah. in that game, you also go to Tatooine and you go out. So you, in that game, you're, when you land on Tatooine, you land in Anchorhead, but then you can still go out into the Dune Sea and stuff. And you'll be running around in the Dune Sea and just get ambushed by these raiding parties of Tusken Raiders out of nowhere. Like you won't see any enemies around, but then it'll cut to like a cutscene of some Tusken Raiders just running over the hill and suddenly you're surrounded by them. Um, and it's funny because I know this is also similar to like what happened in A New Hope, but like when Luke was looking over that ridge, he was surrounded by like cliffs and stuff. And so it was yeah. a lot more believable that the Tusken Raiders could have just like been hiding somewhere or could sneak up on him. Mm -hmm. But when they stop and they're like in the middle of nowhere, like there's just sand as far as the eye can see and they pull out the binoculars and look off in the distance and then he put the, puts the binoculars down and there's two Tusken Raiders right in front of him. Again, it was kind of one of those cheesy things where I'm like, well, obviously, if this were real life, like you would have seen those guys, you know, they couldn't have been more than like 50 feet away or something when you stopped, like, yeah. unless they just pop out of the sand or something. So it was almost it kind of seemed like enemies just like spawning in a video game or something. But um, but I liked the scene that followed that where the Mandalorian then used like this sign language to uh, yeah. to negotiate with them. Um, rather than, you know, just turning it into a big uh, a massacre of the men and the women and the children, too. Um, yeah. He, you know, was able to just negotiate passage through and give away the binoculars, which the kid was like, hey, those are brand new. And he was <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. yeah. I think that's funny that you said spawn, because maybe that's kind of where my mind was going. It's like they're either they were hiding behind some kind of dune that we didn't see or that you know they have this way of hiding in the sand you know obviously their clothing uh, makes them blend in to the uh, to the environment so well so that's kind of where my mind was going was it's just some kind of you know optical illusion that they were able to do and and catch and, and come right up to them so uh, I, again another one of those things where you kind of have to you know, suspend your uh, belief for a minute but uh, I, I guess it didn't really really I was you're, you're kind of right, you know, they're in the middle of nowhere, and then all of a sudden they show up. So I'm kind of, my mind's kind of filling in some of the blanks on that one. But yeah, you know, they come across this, and as far as him communicating with the 
uh, Tuscan's really cool too, seeing the sign language and able, he's able to communicate with them. And they come across um, a dewback. And uh, obviously this is a setup by uh, Shand uh, to draw them out. And again, another callback. She, uh, I think that Amanda says uh, she has the high ground. So calling back to uh, Anakin and Obi Wan and Revenge of the Sith. So that's kind of neat as well. Uh, but yeah, introduced to uh, Ming Na Wen's character Kyle as Finnick Shand. Um, wow, I didn't realize uh, how fast uh, she was going <laughs> to be in this episode. Uh, what are your thoughts on Finnick Shand? I mean, I thought she was a cool character. Um, yeah. And again, just going back to that scene, like you were talking about, it was cool to see, like when they pull up on the dewback and see, like, oh, it's dragging a body, and they're like, oh, is that her? And then, uh, no, obviously, it was like another bounty hunter that had gone out after her, and she killed him. Um, and so then, and then again, you see her; she's off in the distance. She starts sniping at Mando, and him taking sniper bolts off that Beskar and just brushing it off like it's nothing. So yeah. we see him yeah. actually having to use that, but then also seeing that hey, that stuff works. Um, yeah, definitely. And then uh, oh, and then the, just the other thing I was going to bring up real quick, just echoing what you said about those scenes where they're racing across the dunes on the speeder bikes, mm-hmm. um, it was just so cool. And those are some of those scenes in this show that you know it doesn't really add a whole lot to the story but just as they're they're talking and they're getting ready to go out on their mission and then like the music picks up and it just kind of swells into this you know cool theme as they're just streaking off across the desert in their speeder bikes that's the kind of stuff that i just love like the cool visuals the sound of the speeder bike engines the music and it's just it's the stuff that just feels like star wars yeah Um, so i i love those kind of scenes um and then, you know, of course, they, they finally find uh, Fennec Shand. And, um, yeah, I, I thought she was a cool character. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you want to talk about the ending of it yet or kind of go through the, uh, the scenes leading yeah. up to it. But um, Yeah, no, we'll wait. We'll wait for a second here. Um, she mentions also uh, Navarro. She says she was talking to um, – she's talking about what happened to Navarro. Now, I, I guess that is the planet that – he was on an episode three with the with the other Mandalorians. Is that what we're going to call it now, Navarro? Yeah. Is that what you got? That's okay. what I got from it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Didn't go well, and it, she says you got off easy. So it seems like now we actually got names for a couple of the planets because that was the first thing that after the first three episodes, I was like, man, they really are not telling us anything about these locations. You know, there's no hints at where they are. But now we're finally getting some names of some of the planets. Uh, that he's been on, and and again he says uh, they were they were ta- the the Mandalorian is talking about uh, about Fennec Shan, and and he says she's no uh, good to us dead too. So <laughs> it's just so many of these little tiny, you know, it, you have to be a Star Wars fan to uh, to get these because I was watching it with my wife and. I just, I kind of laugh, not laugh, but I kind of smirk, like, oh, nice callback. She's like, what are you talking about? You know, it's like, so you got to be a Star Wars fan or a hard, some, somewhat of a hardcore fan to, to get some of these callbacks. So um, did you but notice again, that, Kyle? Well, see, I noticed some of those, but I've heard some people saying 
you know, that's one of the complaints I've heard is that, oh, you know, they went back to Tatooine and because we're on a familiar planet, they had to throw in every familiar reference available. <laughs> and I mean, I even yeah. heard people <clears throat> like specifically criticizing Dave Filoni for that. They're like, oh, well, he did Clone Wars and in Clone Wars, they brought in like so much, you know, they referenced so much other stuff in Star Wars and now he's doing the same thing here. And I mean, <clears throat> I don't know, for me, some of those were like little tongue in cheek references, but they made sense at the same time. Like it didn't sure, seem like he was sure. going out of his way just to be like, hey, Hey, remember this one thing that this one person said like even when um when uh they've got fennec captured and uh the mandalorian says to to toro he says she's no good to us dead that i don't think i even caught that as a reference like i didn't think yeah. oh that's the boba fett line because it right. made sense in the moment like that's something yeah. that he would actually say to him same thing with the high ground when he said when uh you know when they're hiding from her when she's shooting from them at first and he says, okay, we got to wait till nightfall to advance on her position. Like, we can't do anything now because she's got the high ground. I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, he made a, a, a you know, prequel meme. Ha, ha, high ground. It was like, no, like, she actually has the high ground and a sniper right. rifle. And if you just charge at her in open daylight, she's going to kill you. So, like, yeah. that makes sense that they would talk about that. Definitely. Yeah. And that's what I got, too, is like. I took him as obvious, like you said, it's part of the story and it makes total sense. And it's just kind of neat that it ties in with stuff that we've heard before, but it makes total sense. And, and, and you mentioned it here, um, you know, they have this battle, it turns into night and, you know, they have to basically waiting it out and they're going to kind of surprise her at night. So they, uh, kind of ambush her on these speeders and they're using these flares to, to blind her from, uh, from her scope, which actually works. Uh, but they just don't get the timing right, and she blasts the Mandalorian, um, and she thinks she's killed him, uh, but she must not know about the Beskar armor because she talks about it just in a second here. But uh, she gets into it with uh, with Tora or Toro, and then after they have this little scuffle, here's here comes the Mandalorian. He's able to to come in and kind of save Toro and. Um, Get her in the binders, and then we kind of go from there. He wants he wants Tor to go after that dewback so they can get back. And he's like, no, I'm not. You know, he's starting to get a little shady. Um, so the Mandalorian has to go and get the dewback, and then you get this scene between Shand and Toro, and Kyle. She kind of breaks down, like, you know, what a bounty hunter, how a bounty hunting, and how being a bounty hunter works. She says, uh, one of her lines is, "You make the best deal and survive." And this guy's a new guy to bounty hunting, and she's, you know, seasoned bounty hunter. She's kind of telling him, this is how you do it. You know, you, you make deals and you survive. And sometimes surviving is is having to use tricks or, you know, not necessarily being the best of people. And I thought that was kind of a cool little breakdown scene of, of them talking. And, um, you know, she finally tells him how, you know, uh, this Mandalorian – He's actually him and this asset he has is worth way more money than I am, and he kind of starts to think about it, like, oh yeah. So I, this is actually a really, really good scene, uh, Kyle, between these two. What'd you think? Yeah, I loved it. Um, yeah. And again, this is where it kind of played with the expectations a little bit, where you see that he's smarter than he lets on when we get to the end of this. Yeah. Um, but before we get to the ending, there, there's just a couple of things I wanted to back up and mention. Um, cause you were talking about the scene where, you know, they, uh, they wait till nightfall and then they take off on their speeder bikes and they, 
sort of charge her and they're using the flash uh, the flashbang things which was really cool um, but when she takes out the mando she doesn't think she's killed him because she first she shoots a speeder bike and he falls off and then while he's on the ground he shoots like his last flare and uh you know lets toro get close obviously close enough to to go engage her while he's still on the ground then she takes another shot and hits him in the chest and then you can see he's lying on the ground and i think she must know that he's got you know whether she either knows about the beskar or she just knows that he's got armor plating on Um, okay because then she zooms in on him while he's on the ground and she's aiming right under his helmet like the angle that she's got while he's lying on the ground, she's going to take one last shot and she's got her crosshairs like right between oh, okay. his his helmet and his armor. So she's going to finish him off. And that's when uh, Toro oh, okay. shows up behind her right before she takes I must have missed that. I think I missed that then because I, I saw that like when she took that first shot and he hits, she hits him and he goes down. I thought I saw like the, the, the range finder like show this red thing. I thought that was some kind of symbol like, oh, I got him or something. And I guess I just blanked out on that. I didn't even realize the second there was actually going to be a second shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think whatever I color that. she's seeing or whatever is probably just his heat signature or something like yeah. that. But if you look okay. at where she's aiming his cro- or aiming her crosshairs, she's gonna shoot under his helmet. Oh, um, so gotcha. she's she's going for a kill shot. Um, and then Toro shows up at the last second and saves him. Um, and then uh, of course, then they getting that uh fist fight and the mandalorian shows up in time to save him from getting killed but that was a pretty cool fight scene i thought that was well choreographed and everything um and then one last thing that crossed my mind i don't know if you thought about this at all but just even before they jumped on the speeder bikes and and charged at her like as they're just sitting in the dune sea like talking at night and kind of going over their strategy and and waiting um actually i guess they weren't really talking it was like when the mandalorian is sleeping against the speeder bike and toro's trying to wake him up and he's like pretending to shoot him and stuff um but just seeing that scenery of tatooine at night like them out on the dune sea um it i don't know if you thought of this at all but it kind of gave me vibes of uh twin sons from rebels okay Um, especially because they've knowing that dave filoni directed it um obviously i wasn't expecting like obi-wan or maul to show well they're both dead by this point anyways but um just mm-hmm. that imagery again, you know, kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah. of course, so they go after her, they get the fight scene and everything. But yeah, I loved that whole conversation where, uh, you know, the Mando goes off to get the do back. And from the minute that he leaves her alone with Toro, like, it's just one of those things you know is not going to go well. <laughs> but it yeah. didn't go the way I thought because I thought she was either – like, he was either going to fall asleep on the job and she was going to sneak up and strangle him or something like that. Um, but then she starts talking to him and, uh, you know, just trying to get in his head a little bit and turn him against the Mandalorian. And she's telling him – yeah, she tells him, like, hey, that Beskar armor that he's got, that alone is worth more than the bounty on me. And he says, well, I'm not in this for the money. Like, I'm giving him all the money. I'm in this just for the reputation. I want respect from the Bounty Hunters Guild. And she says, well, he's a traitor to the Bounty Hunters Guild. Like, there, I heard reports that, you know, over on uh, Navarro um, that there was, you know, a Bounty Guild there. And they got shot up by a Mandalorian who took a target and went rogue. Mm, and if yeah. you, And if you bring him in you'll be a legend like they're all after that guy and he's like well how do we know he's the one and she's like well first of all there aren't a lot of mandalorians and so (laughs) he kind of fits the description but second of all she says you know the rumor is he still has the target with him and some say it's a child 
and you see you kind of see his eyes go wide because he saw the mandalorian with the child before they took right. off so now he's right. putting it all together um and she's like hey and if you need help taking him down don't worry about that i'll help you you know we'll team up i'm an assassin all that kind of stuff um and so you start thinking like oh he's gonna take the bait and she holds her <laughs> hands out with the cuffs for him to to take him off and i'm just thinking i'm like this guy's a dead man she's gonna he's gonna unlock the cuffs and she's gonna steal his blaster or you know at the very least she's gonna like take off and leave him high and dry but she's probably gonna kill him um and you even see him because he had his blaster pointed at her he puts his blaster away he walks towards her and then he pulls the blaster out again and just shoots her. And he's like, thanks for the info. But I know that if I get you out of these cuffs that you're just going to kill me. Um, but I'm going to remember all that stuff you told me. And if I can bring in the Mando and become a legend, well, who wouldn't want to be a legend? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I thought it was cool. And again, you know, I heard some people say like, oh, that twist was so predictable. I'm like, I don't know. Again, for me, the predictable twist would have just been if he had let her go and she killed him because mm -hmm. he's the dumb rookie and you expect him to make that mistake. But I liked seeing that he actually learned something along the way. Yeah, I, I didn't expect that either. And it, what's funny is the reason I didn't expect it is that you got a, uh, a pretty well-known actress like me now when and she was all over. Uh, you know, social media the last few weeks, you know, just so excited about this. And then to come in and to what it looks like is to have just a small bit part and get killed off. I thought that was, I mean, I was, I didn't see that coming, you know, I, like you say, you thought it was going to go the other way. And it shows like this guy, uh, Toro is not necessarily as naive as we all thought he was. Uh, and just, you know, gunslings her and boom, you know, kills her. So I did think that was kind of um, kind of a little bit of a shock. I was like, oh, wow, you know, I expected Ming-Na Wen to be around for a while. And it kind of, you know, it's like we thought about that with the very first episode. They hyped up IG-11 so much. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you're like, wow, is that, I guess that's it. You know, like he, a lot of people thought that, you know, the man was going to reprogram him, but like he's gone. He's off that world. I guess IG-11 is gone. So these characters that come in and you think you're going to have a, a longer stay, it's like, boom, they're gone really quick. So I thought that was, that was interesting that they, um, they went that way with the story. I thought it was kind of, uh, actually pretty good, you know, a good, a good, uh, a good shock to, to, to me. So, um, so we get that and then we get the standoff. Uh, actually, you know, the Mandalorian comes back with the do back. He sees that, um, that, uh, Shan is dead and he goes, uh oh, you know, you know, he's thinking like, oh, okay, this this bounty hunter is, you know, something. So he immediately goes back to uh, Hangar 35 where he's got his razor crest, and we get the showdown, the standoff, Kyle, between uh, the Mandalorian and uh, Toro. What are your thoughts on this standoff here? I mean, I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, this was, I I thought the part with the whole interaction between. Um, Toro and Fennec Shand was probably the most interesting part of the episode for me because once the sure. Mandalorian goes back, you know how that's going to play out. Like, yes. I mean, yeah. you don't exactly know how it's going to go down, but you know that Toro isn't going to kill him or steal Baby Yoda or anything like that. Like, you know, he's going to work his way out of that and that this kid's a dead man. Um, yeah, but uh, it was pretty cool to see, you know, he has the the me mechanic lady. He's got her hostage and he's got the baby and he tells her to to go put cuffs on the Mandalorian. And then 
Um, hmm. He's got his hands behind his head, and you see he's holding one of those flashbangs that they just yeah. used. Um, <laughs> so you see, again, he's got one last trick up his sleeve and, uh, you know, is able to get the upper hand on him. I was a little surprised. Like, he just he uses the flashbang, he dodges over to the side, and then he shoots the guy. And, uh, I mean, you talked about earlier how it seemed a little irresponsible or whatever that he keeps leaving the baby in the ship by himself. Well, I was like, why would you shoot somebody that's holding a baby? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I trust that he's a good enough shot to not shoot the baby, but then the guy's, right. the dead guy's gonna, like, fall on the baby and hurt fall. him. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Then he ended up yeah. off behind a crate or something, and he was fine, and it's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Well, I wondered... That's the first thing when we were watching it, you know, my family was watching it and we were like, as soon as he got shot, it was like, oh, what about Yoda? And I was just wondering, like, did he, because you're like, he's gone um, and he comes out from behind something. And I'm like, I wonder if he kind of, they didn't show it, but would he have used some kind of like force ability to, you know, fall and land on his feet or do some kind of crazy flip? Obviously, they didn't show it, but that's where my mind was going because I know this baby Yoda has, has used the force. Um, so did he potentially do something to, uh, you know, instead of fo just falling on the ground, did he do something? And, you know, that's kind of where my mind goes. I kind of fill in the blanks a little bit there. Like, oh, he probably used the force and did a little flip and landed on his feet on the corner and he walks out. So he's cool. He's okay. That was a, our first thought was, oh man, he's shooting, shooting the dude and he's holding the baby. You wouldn't normally do that in a, in a, in a regular sequence, but, uh, but yeah, it's Baby Yoda, so who knows? Um, so uh, the Mandalorian kind of makes his peace with the mechanic, gives her the rest of uh, Toro's credits, and um, she talks about you know dragging the body out to Beggar's Canyon and dumping it out there. So um, yeah, so Kyle, um, here we go. That's kind of the end of the story. And here's what I love about this series is that every episode always ends with this great cliffhanger and your mind is like, I can't wait. And they're so good about this. I can't wait till next Friday. Love that these, they do this with the episodes. There's always a great ending. And this one is another one of these endings where you're just like, everybody's just like, what? You know, I was mm -hmm. what? What's going on? So we're going to talk about it here real quick. Um, final scene, some foot. Uh, we see a, a couple legs and, you know, they walk up to Shan, who's still out in the desert. And you hear the fob going off, right? Mm -hmm. Um and then it kind of cuts from there. So, obviously, everybody, not everybody, but my first thought was, you, you hear you hear the chinking of the spurs that we heard in The Empire Strikes Back when Boba Fett walked into the dinner scene, in, you know what I mean, The Empire Strikes Back with Vader. Mm -hmm. you, when, you, when you watch that scene, you hear the chinking. Well, yeah, this I mean, all the scenes, all the scenes with him in Cloud City, you hear the even yeah. as he's just walking out yeah. the hallway. So, yeah. So, my first thought is Boba Fett. Um, now, I will say that the boots. Here's the thing: like this was a dark scene. It was really hard. These dark scenes sometimes are really hard to see, and that's another small complaint. It's like, man, it's really hard to see some of these dark scenes going on and what's really happening. So it was, it was hard to see the boots and the cape. But that was my first instinct was it was Boba Fett. Um, what do you think, Kyle? What's going on here? Well, that was my first instinct. Um, was it? Okay. Obviously, there's some kind of mysterious character here, yeah, that is going up to Fennec Shand. And it's either – I think it's either a bounty hunter that was after her um, or she also said something about – 
she mentioned uh, to Toru, like, take me to meet my contact in Mos Espa or something. So it could mm -hmm. be somebody that she was supposed to go meet with. But again, like you said, the fact that they had the fob, like, makes you think that maybe it was just another bounty hunter that's after her. Right. Um, yeah. So I think there's three options here. Like you said, first okay. of all, uh, the the clinking of the spurs and the fact that this is a show about Mandalorians and we know that there are more Mandalorians in the show than just our main character now. And a lot of people have been asking about Boba Fett. So it seems like if there's going to be a big surprise reveal of a character that we've seen before, I think Boba Fett would be the safe bet. I think that's option number one. I think option number two, this could be a new character that, you know, they're kind of just, they're teasing you with early on. You know how sometimes they'll do that in like, even like superhero cartoons and stuff where there's, you know, the, the big bad guy. And the first time you see him, he's just like a shady figure that you see from behind. And then slowly you get more of him over time. Um, so it could be that. It could just be a new character and it, they're kind of teasing a reveal of maybe some just another rival bounty hunter or somebody that's going to be like a big main adversary to the Mandalorian in this show. Yeah. I think that's a possibility. I think option number three, again, it's a bounty hunter. It's probably a, a bounty hunter with some Western influence. Cause we got the clinking of the spurs and it's Dave Filoni directing the episode. And my wishful thinking fanboy brain wants this to be Cad Bane. Oh, there you go. I would take that, too. Yeah, so that's kind of what I'm hoping for. I think that would be really cool to see. Wow, I never thought of that, but that's great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, here's the thing. Like, they, I don't know if they're just trolling us, you know, and, and with, with some of these clues. Um, and you're right. It could just be another bounty hunter that he's going to have to go after, possibly a Mandalorian. Um, that he's going to possibly get involved with here. Um, but I don't know, just the fanboy in me, when you hear clues like that and you just like, oh man, what if they were able to bring Boba Fett into the series? Um, but, but you're talking about Cad Bane. like, I would take that in a freaking heartbeat. That would be awesome. Cause he's actually one of my, I don't know. He's probably my favorite bounty hunter. Uh, in this saga now is, is Cad Bane. Love Cad Bane. And if they were able to pull that off, holy mackerel, that would be so awesome. So I would take either one. Um, I would be sort of somewhat, I, I don't want to say I'd be disappointed because I don't, like I said, I don't know if they're just trolling us. They just love to get us talking about, about what could possibly happen in this series. Um, one of my things, Kyle, was like, I hopefully in the show, somehow they, sh they, they explain or, or the story evolves to where I go to, I say to myself, I understand why this cannot be Boba Fett because look at, they were going to do a Boba Fett movie mm -hmm. and it didn't work out. So, and I think that, that Dave Filoni possibly wanted to do something Boba Fett because he's an iconic character. No matter how you feel about him, he's an iconic character. And that was one of the things was like, hopefully the show explains why you can't have both. But, but if they're able to bring him in some way, I would totally love it. Or if it's Cad Bane, like you said, I never even thought of that, but that's awesome too. So, you know, my hopes is that this is some, somebody significant, but you know, it's one of these things where I can't, I always, you know, it's like, I can't put my expectations so high 
that I kind of end up disappointing myself, you know, or the, mm -hmm. the show like, oh man, I wish it could have been. So it's a tough one, man. And I know a lot of people are thinking it could be, it could be Boba Fett and I don't know, but that's where the speculation starts. And that's what I love about the series is these endings that, that they do this. And I don't know, man, it's, it's crazy. Do you, is it, did you ever want this show to be Boba Fett or do you care about Boba Fett at all? So I'm kind of split on it. Like, here's the thing for me. I, I thought a Boba Fett movie would be cool, but when they announced this series, I thought it seemed pretty clear that they were focusing on a new Mandalorian. And I thought, you know, there's always a yeah. possibility that Boba Fett could be in the show. But I think even after they announced this show and somebody, uh, there was like an interview where somebody asked Kathleen Kennedy if they were still working on a Boba Fett movie. And she said, no, we're just focused on the TV show for now. And I assumed that to mean like... Boba Fett has kind of had his time. He's in the movies. We've seen his story play out. And now we're just focusing on this new Mandalorian character. And especially with some of the callbacks, like the fact that the pulse rifle that he uses is the same one that Boba Fett uses in the holiday special. Like the character himself is kind of supposed to be like an homage to Boba Fett. Um, I forget if you and I and Paul talked about this on the last episode of this that we did, or if it was me and Paul and Tim talking about it on The Saga Continues, but to me, just the, sort of the concept of this show and of this character seems like people's fantasies of Boba Fett back in like the 80s and 90s before we found out that he was a clone of Django and all that kind of stuff. So it almost mm, seemed to yeah. me like Jon Favreau, rather than try to bring Boba Fett back to life and then stretch and expand his story. He's like, let's just start over with a new Mandalorian character and we'll make him kind of like Boba Fett, but we'll make him different and do his own thing. And we can kind of just, you know, this is like playing with your Boba Fett action figure, but uh -huh. doing stuff that Boba Fett never did in the movies. Right. Yeah. Um, so I was totally cool with Boba Fett not being in it. Um, and also, I mean, at this point, honestly, like the idea of Boba Fett coming back to life and coming out of the Sarlacc pit, it's almost kind of like, I would equate it to like an urban legend in Star Wars. Like yeah. all the stuff that all the stories where that happened are no longer canon. Right. And like, mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of people that still love the legend stuff. And there are a lot of people that are fans of that character, but I'm like, there's no reason to expect that we're definitely getting something Boba Fett related at some point. Um, but mm -hmm. at the same time, especially with like, we know Dave Filoni's track record of bringing, characters in and you know clone wars there was a bunch of cameos and stuff from characters that were in the movies and then in rebels you had like thrawn and maul and ahsoka and all this stuff so mm. i'm sure we're gonna get some some surprise appearances like that in this show um and like i said i would love to see it be cad bane especially because it would be really cool to see a show that dave is working on have one of his characters from animation make the jump to live action but mm -hmm. also i'm sure he and john favreau were both well aware of um you know just the the fans love for boba fett um and the yeah. desire to see like they know that even if we don't need more stories or or if that's not the idea that they have like they know that the fan interest is there um, and that's something that I think Dave has always done a good job of catering to without making it feel too much like fan service, um, right. and just caving and giving the fans whatever they want. But like, he's very much in tune with that and knows what the fans want, um, and what they're interested in. So I definitely wouldn't put it past them. Um, it's not, 
super high on my wish list. Like again, if I I probably would rather have this mysterious character be Cad Bane than Boba yeah. Fett. Sure. Um, even though Cad Bane's probably freaking old at this point, but I, I don't know how long Duros live. Like yeah. he, he could still be in the bounty hunting game. Um, just the grizzled old veteran of the bunch. But, um, but if it is Boba Fett, like I'm not going to be like, Oh, they brought back Boba Fett. I'm so over this character. <laughs> like it would still be cool. Yeah. And especially I've, I'm always down for whatever they want to do, as long as they find a cool way to fit it into the story. Like I've always said, when they announced that Darth Maul was coming back in clone wars, I rolled my eyes and groaned because I really don't like the idea of like when they take characters that we have known for a long time are quote unquote dead and bring them back to life just to sort of milk more story out of it because the fans like Darth Maul, but he's dead. No, let's bring him back to life, whatever. But then when I saw those episodes, the way that they did it was really cool and they told really cool stories that made that worth it. And so now I love the fact that they did that. So they could do the same thing with Boba Fett too. Um, Yeah. Because I'm sure there are a lot of naysayers out there who are like, oh, Boba Fett's overrated, and I never found him that interesting. And so if they do bring him into the show, hopefully they can even prove some of those people wrong and be like, well, here's why it was worth it to bring him back, and let's tell some cool stories with him. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also wouldn't want him to, like, steal the spotlight from our Mandalorian character now, who I still really want to just get a name of so we can, like, stop just calling him the Mandalorian when there's a bunch of other Mandalorians in the show now. But, you know. um, Yeah. I think, you know what, you just said it, I think that's an interesting point about stealing the spotlight because that's a definite possibility. And, you know, go back to The Force Awakens to where they had written in Luke and um, they, they were concerned about bringing in Luke too early because he would obviously be the total focus of the movie and everybody would forget about the other characters, which I don't necessarily agree with, but whatever. Um, so I think you're right. I, I think that could be on their mind, a possibility of like, oh man, if we bring in Boba Fett, nobody's gonna care about the Mandalorian anymore. I don't know if that's true, but I can understand that that sort of reasoning. And and again, I know people probably, you know, can, some, some people can take or leave Boba Fett um, and some people just want new stories. And I totally get that, I understand that. I'm just Personally, I'm kind of a fan of Boba Fett and the character and the look, and he's been around for, you know, four decades now. It's just, I think it would be kind of cool to see him. I've always said this. I want to see him get his, his, his due, you know, like I felt like he, a lot of people, and even George didn't realize how popular Boba Fett was going to be. Um, but when he died in Return of the Jedi, it was like, oh man, he kind of went out the wrong way. So Talk about bringing back a character and giving him something awesome to do and show on screen. I think it'd be kind of cool. But I also see the other side of it where people just want new stories. And But you're right, that whole Cad Bane angle, I never even thought of that. But, but that's a great pull. Like, oh, man, especially being Dave Filoni, I was like, hey, bring in Clone Wars and bring in another gunsling. Just, you know, everybody talks about how this is a Western and a, and a samurai-type feel to it. Um, bringing in the ultimate, you know, uh, gunslinger in Cad Bane would be kind of really awesome. So, yeah, I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting, uh, this, this whole ending and wow, it's really gotten people talking and we'll see where it goes, man. I am so psyched to see, we only got three more episodes and, and we'll be done with this season. So yeah, that's hard uh, to believe. We only got what three yeah. more episodes left. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's, 
we're on the back half of this first season. So and I'm I'm setting yeah. my expectations low right now. As much as I would love to know like next episode who this mysterious character is, I think we're probably gonna have to wait till the season finale to find out. Um, yeah. If we yeah. find out sooner, awesome. But that's you know maybe we'll get another tease in the next episode or two. Um, but then, you know, maybe have the Mandalorian finally face off with whoever this is in the season finale. Yeah, I can definitely see it being either that or a season finale thing where it's, it's like a post, not a post credit scene, but this was kind of treated somewhat like that where it's the reveal of who actually that was. Yeah. And kind of like the, like the end of uh rebel yeah. season one, when like the last shot of the finale you see is Vader coming down the steps yeah. of that shuttle. Yeah, yeah, just setting up like, oh, man, you talk about the ultimate cliffhanger, you'd be setting up the next season and where that would go. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, man. I, I don't know the possibilities. I don't know what's going on. That's what's so fun about this. And um, the speculation is always fun. But, yeah, you know, like I said earlier, this was another solid episode. I mean, this series is freaking great. And uh, although I didn't think this was – a standout episode. It was still good. I, you know, there's a couple of issues, like I said, we talked about with some of the acting and some of the things felt a little TV-ish to me, sitcom-ish, but ultimately it was, it was a good episode. And, and again, it has this, these great setups at the end of these episodes where you just can't wait to see that, that next episode. So all in all, great, uh, good stuff. Kyle, any, any final thoughts? Well, you know, you just mentioned, um, I'll just bring up one little thing that we didn't really talk about. Um, But you were talking about how it felt a little TV-ish to you at some points. There was one thing, one aspect to it, when the Mandalorian walks into Mos Eisley at first, and you see him just kind of walking down the streets, and it seems a little more deserted than we're used to, you know, like especially in the special edition of A New Hope, where you've got speeders flying around, and you got the big Ronto with the Jawas in the middle of the square and everything. Um, And it seems a little more desolate now like there's only a few people walking around and you go into the cantina and it's not that busy and some people were saying like oh so we're seeing moss eisley post empire and uh you know maybe we're just seeing that life was hard under the empire and there's not you know people have kind of moved on and this isn't the busy hub that it used to be or whatever but i was kind of wondering like well is this Moss Eisley post empire or is this just Moss Eisley on a TV budget where they just didn't have the resources See, yeah. to populate it as much? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and, he, and here's the thing I, I don't want to say when I say TV ish, obviously this is a TV show and I, I, I just want to clarify my statements about being TV ish is like, um, look at the game, look at game of Thrones. We both watched that. And that was always felt I didn't feel like it was TV-ish to me as as kind of a, I don't know why I'm saying that word, but like it just felt cinematic um, all the time. And this, we've we've heard about the budget on The Mandalorian, how it's this massive budget rivals the the Game of Thrones stuff. And you definitely see it in this. There's definitely some of these cinematic shots and, you know, episode three with all the manos coming in, some great cinematic feel to it. Um, It just... You know, sometimes it'll dip, and you can definitely see a dip in, I don't want to say quality, but you just, like, you mentioned the budget stuff. And I maybe sometimes they go, you know, we need to save a little money. Um, let's hire this actor. He's going to be a lot cheaper. Um, and these shots, this, you know, I don't know. It just, I, I can see it. And that's why I bring up Game of Thrones. It, it always felt like it never, the quality never dipped. And 
again, I don't want to seem like I'm bagging on this show. And when I say TV issues, that's kind of what I'm talking about. It's just, like you said, maybe sometimes the budget is not fully what we thought it was. And um, so it kind of has these little ebbs and flows. But again, it's still got tons of cinematic stuff and I'm, I'm loving the look and, and the feel of it. I just, I wanted to explain my TV-ish comment. You know, I was like, oh, duh, it's a TV show. Mm -hmm. I get that. You know what I mean? But no, and I think that makes perfect sense because, and I think we get spoiled sometimes because, yeah. I mean, overall, I think this show looks really good. Like, yeah. and it is, it's a TV show, but it's a Star Wars TV show. And it, I mean, there are times when it, the visuals of the show rival stuff that's in the movies. Like there are times when right. you forget that you're watching a TV show. And then there are times where you're like, oh, this is Star Wars, but this is definitely like a Star Wars TV show. And it's not a movie with a $250 million budget. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Again, not that it's bad and not that it's, no. uh, you know, low quality no. or anything like that. It's just with, like within the same episode, sometimes you can kind of tell like the scenes and the effects and stuff that they put more of their resources into. Um right. But it doesn't, uh, I don't know, it, it certainly doesn't detract from the quality or mean that the other stuff is bad or anything like that. Like I said, it's still right. a very high quality Star Wars TV show. Um, sure. It's just sometimes it's a little bit jarring when you can kind of tell like within the same episode, it goes from like movie quality Star Wars to TV quality Star Wars. Right. Well, look at the very opening shot. I mean, obviously that was, you spent a ton of money on the effects and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I don't, you know, I have no idea how production works and how money is spent on certain areas. So I'm just kind of spitballing there. And another thing, too, is it's like I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So I hold Star Wars properties to such a high standard that sometimes maybe I'm being a little unfair. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I just I put it so high that I expect everything just to be A plus all the time. And it's like I have to understand, like. There's going to be, you know, you got TV stuff and you have animated stuff and you have the movie stuff. And, and again, it's just I held it to such a high regard that sometimes maybe I'm just a little unfair. And I got to I got to realize that and understand that. So hopefully you guys listening understand that, too. It's, I don't mean to sound like I'm bagging on this thing. It's just um, it's obviously an amazing show. It's the number one show all over the place. And I'm loving it. Um, so I just want to kind of want to clarify some of the stuff I point out, I don't want to seem like I'm just banging on it, you know? So yeah, huge, no, that, yeah, that makes I mean? total sense. Cause yeah. I mean, it, like when, like you said, when we're such huge star Wars fans, star Wars almost exists in its own little bubble. And it's like, <laughs> let me yeah. clarify when I criticize star Wars stuff or say that even, yeah, and I'm not saying that about this episode cause I love this episode, but if something in star Wars is, is bad or disappointing, it's I still enjoy it more than most entertainment out there because it's Star yeah. Wars, oh, yeah. but it's just, sure. you know, you compare it to the best Star Wars stuff and it's like, eh, this could have been better. Um, and, you know, I think I probably enjoyed this episode overall more than you did, but there were still a couple things that I had issues with, like I talked about. So yeah. and that, I mean, I've always kind of had that perspective with Star Wars, too, that like I try not to just have the rose colored glasses on and think everything is perfect. Like I will criticize stuff about Star Wars that I you know, don't like or think needs yeah. to be better. But at the same time, I try to just enjoy as much of it as I can and keep a positive spin on it. So, yeah. And that's all I'm trying to do is just try to be real. Like you said, uh, you don't just want to come out and just, Oh, everything's great. It's like me and Mike. Um, and I, and I know you guys as well, you and Paul and Tim, you're not afraid to 
call out something if it just didn't work for you. And we do that a lot, mm-hmm. um, especially on me and Mike on the resistance the last few weeks. We've been really calling it out. Um, so we're not afraid to do that. And again, I just don't want to sound like, like you said, it's just we hold it to such a high standard and uh, compared to anything else, it's so much better than anything else. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I just we would like to point out some of the things that maybe uh, didn't necessarily work for us. So um, I don't know. Any, any other final thoughts, uh, Kyle? Not really. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I thought it was a great episode. I think yeah. if I were to rank it, I, I think episodes two and three for me have definitely been the two best of the season uh, so yeah. far, probably three with two right under that um but this one might be my my third favorite after the after those two okay Um, so you like this one better than uh, episode four i think so i mean four was good too and that was one of those ones that like i didn't have like huge issues with or anything it just didn't it didn't blow me away it like overall it was just it was good it was a solid episode um but i think i enjoyed this one a little bit more i like the twist ending i like the character of fennec shand i like the surprise at the end so sure um And again, just some of those visuals and the music of them out on the Dune Sea and everything—it was really cool. So I, yeah, I like this one a lot. Cool. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. I put uh, one, two, and three pretty high, and then these two just slightly below it as well. Um, some uh, as far as uh, people on the internet that follow us, uh, Martin Ailman, a huge uh, supporter of the show, a good friend of ours, uh, he said the tilt-down shot of the Razor Crest approaching Tatooine was the moment where I knew we were in great hands with Filoni's direction. I love seeing the changes in Mos Eisley after the defeat of the Empire. The whole town is empty and feels like it. its best days are behind them. So you kind of mentioned this, Kyle, like, yeah, um, that that is kind of the sense you get after the Empire. Uh, you see kind of a difference in, in everything. And even in some of the previous episodes, they talk about, you know, you know Republic or the uh, imperial credits don't mean anything anymore. Um, so yeah, they're kind of laying this out in, the, in these episodes about what's going on after uh, they follow the empire, and and Martin's kind of has the same. You kind of mentioned this too, right, Kyle? Yeah. Not yeah. Being empty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the Razor Crest uh, approaching Tatooine. Uh, yeah, it was a, like I said, it was a great shot. Great, you know, kind of symmetry with that, and 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 Star Wars and the Millennium Falcon. So. Uh, good stuff from Martin. Thanks, Martin, for for letting us know. You know, we recorded so early that we didn't get any chance to really call out to to find out some some other stuff. Did uh, was there any other comments, Kyle, from anybody? Uh, yeah, there were actually a few on Facebook as well. Okay. Um, so first of all, I think Mike put up you know the post just saying that episode five was up, and John Morales commented on it and said another great episode. Not spoiling anything, but keep an eye open during the poker game. And so I'm assuming that's what you were oh, talking about with yeah. the uh, the pit droids cheating. I got to go back and, and keep an eye out for that. <laughs> I just, I mean, obviously I caught that during that scene they were playing Sabacc, and I thought that was a pretty fun little callback, but I got to keep an eye on what they're doing. Um, yeah. And Great. then uh, on the next post, he said, uh, you know, chapter five took us to some familiar locations. What was your favorite? And uh, Sherston said, definitely the hangar with Amy Sedaris. And then uh, John commented on again, and he said, the cantina empty and on its last legs now that Jabba is dead and the Bounty Hunter Guild has left, as well mm-hmm. as no longer needing to serve as a no-questions-asked spot for those avoiding the Empire. Things have gotten so bad that it's even run by droids now. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I again, I love just sort of that, um, the irony almost of just them walking in there, and there's a droid, you know, serving at the bar, the first thing you notice when you walk in. Um, yeah. 
But uh, yeah, it was, it, see, the weird thing for me was, again, it was hard to tell if this really was Moss Eisley like feeling the effects of the, the Empire or the post-Empire era, or if it was just you know, a smaller scale version of it on the TV budget. Because the thing yeah. for me is at the end of Return of the Jedi, you see the streets of Mos Eisley flooded yeah. with people celebrating the fall of the Empire. But now, I mean, heck, maybe those people have now gone on to live better lives on other planets that aren't backwater, you know, <laughs> desert holes because the Empire is gone. So, um yeah, I don't know. May, I mean, maybe the place has become run down or maybe it's just people have moved on and are doing other things or I don't know. But it was it was definitely interesting to see it in a, a different spot in a different time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thank you all for uh, setting us in some thoughts. We always love to hear your thoughts and and uh, theories on what's going on with this series. And um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else, Kyle, before we sign off? uh not really i'm okay. i'm looking forward to uh yeah the next three episodes um it'll be interesting to see like i wonder how many more of these kind of one-off characters we're gonna get i mean like you said with <laughs> ming yeah. na wen's character in this episode it was kind of hyped up like oh she's gonna be playing this cool new assassin and then she got killed off in one episode and same thing happened to ig88 and even cara dune like i'm pretty sure she's coming yeah. back later in the season yeah. but the fact sure. that at least the first episode she was in kind of seemed like a one-off and yeah. uh, if we hadn't seen her in more scenes in the trailers and stuff, I would think, oh, well, was that it? Like he they just met for one episode and then left. But I'm pretty sure she's coming back in later. But I wonder if we're going to get any more recognizable faces um, or, uh, you know, mm -hmm. big yeah. sort of big, important characters that are only around for one episode. Or if any of these characters are coming back later, like who knows that person that walked up to Fennec Shan's body at the end. um, maybe they've got some way to revive her or something, or maybe somebody is bringing back IG 11 somehow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I know in the trailer we saw a, we could get another one of these, um, uh, one-off characters, the comedian, uh, Bill Burr mm -hmm. is playing a character. So I don't know if, if that's going to be another one of those, he just kind of shows up and it's a cool little cameo and we kind of, I kind of know who he is. So it's kind of neat to see that. But I thought the same thing with Cara Dune, um, like you did, like, oh, man, it's just he's she's staying on the planet, apparently, at least at this point, I think, is, is what's going on. And so it's like, wow, he's taking off again. But like you said, we know from footage and she's even I think she's even tweeted about stuff about season two, a picture or something like that. Mm -hmm. So we kind of know she's coming back. But, yeah, um, it's just it's so cool. Like I said, uh, I'm just so looking forward to these episodes every Friday because they're just they're doing a great job of keeping us on that on that cliff man and just every episode ends and you're just like oh man i can't wait till next week so um i guess with that uh i guess we'll sign off kyle um let everybody know where they can hear you yeah well you can uh check out me and my co-host tim and paul on star wars the saga continues uh you can follow us on twitter at star wars tsc um and we're gonna be having a lot of stuff coming up obviously with the rise of skywalker we kind of talk everything star wars but like our main focus is the movies and so mm -hmm. um we've actually been doing uh uh audio commentaries for all the movies in the saga um throughout the year leading up to rise of skywalker so we'll be doing our last jedi commentary in the next week or two here um and then of course after rise of skywalker comes out we'll have a huge review episode for that our last jedi episode was six hours um, which our podcasts aren't normally that long but we're kind of known for doing long episodes i mean we do like some we we have quite a few episodes that are over three hours long um 
but that six hour one is by far our longest, but we'll see how long we end up going with the rise of Skywalker. I know there's going to be a lot to dissect after that comes out. So definitely (laughs) looking forward to that. Yeah, that's funny, man. It's, uh, I would be interested to see, uh, I love listening to you guys and the, um, commentaries have been great. And I'm really looking forward to the last Jedi because, uh, that's going to be a fun one to hear you guys talk about that one. Um, yeah, it's me. I'm at the Crankster on on Twitter, and I, you know I'm always here uh, on this channel doing uh, resistance or any animated stuff. And FMI here with the Mandalorian. Uh, I'm also with the Sarlacc Pit every once in a while. We get on every month or two, so uh, you can find me around there. But for that, I guess that'll do it for us this week. Uh, stay tuned next week for Chapter Six. Uh, but for Kyle, my name is Matt. Uh, we'll see you again next time in faster, more intense. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Star Wars FMI. If you like what you hear, you can support us in two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch, or by heading to patreon.com thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support. Your pledge gets you early access, exclusive podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. Faster More Intense is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com for more great podcasts.